Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast is for parents. Maybe not for kids. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 29th, the Quitting the Olympics edition. I'm Dan Kois. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. And I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 16, and Harper, who's 13. We live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. And I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I am a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight, and we live in Los Angeles. On today's show, we're talking about Simone Biles and her decision to step away from the women's gymnastics event at the Tokyo Olympics. Parents always have a lot to say about sticking it out through things that are hard, about grit, about resilience. So how do we talk to our kids about this? Then we've got a question from a parent whose babysitter keeps calling with emergencies that aren't really emergencies. The problem is the babysitter is grandma. On Slate Plus, we'll be talking about birthday parties and the no gift request. Is it horribly gauche or morally pure? Join us on Slate Plus to find out. But first, we're going to start the show off today with an update on Elizabeth's dilemma from way, way back in April. Elizabeth, you were trying to figure out where to send your kids to school in Colorado. Let's let's hear an excerpt from that episode. Okay, so as you know, we are moving to Colorado Springs, and with that move comes a change of like our whole life. And I've always said that every time we move, I'm going to evaluate our school situation based on kind of each child and the place where we are and all of that. And Teddy is going to preschool. Like he needs to not be at home every day. So I've found a lovely preschool for him that he's been accepted into. It is not close to the house. It is like 25 minutes from the home we're going to be in. I have found two homeschool academies that would be perfect for Henry and Oliver. They're different. They meet on different days. They are also like 20 minutes to 25 minutes away from the house in different directions. There is a school that has a homeschool academy or like full-time school walking distance from our home. So the dilemma is... Do I send these kids to the perfect situation for them? It's one day a week. What's a big deal? But we're driving like all around. Or do I just like do the thing that makes the most convenient sense and say like everyone's going to the school that's right back there. And here is what Elizabeth's all-knowing co-hosts said about this dilemma back in April. Okay, so let me follow up on this question with a question. In any case, no matter what you decide... For the two older boys, this will be happening once a week. Yes. This year, I'm not sending anyone to full-time school. Okay. This is the easiest question anyone has ever asked me. (laughs) I think we have the same opinion. (laughs) You send your kids to the school that they can walk to, which is totally fine and is only one day a week. So, like, what is the worst that could happen? It's that maybe they kind of like it 80% as much as the other one one day a week and the best that can happen is that you are not in your car for like an hour and 45 fucking minutes in Colorado Springs traffic every Tuesday. That sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) That is my answer. 
Strong cosine. Oh, really? <laughs> I okay. The only asterisk: if one child can be plucked off this island, if you believe that going out of your way and taking one of the three children somewhere a little bit further away would absolutely make a tremendous difference for that child, then I would suggest doing it with one, but not all three of them. So, Elizabeth, school is about to start in Colorado. We're just a few weeks away. What? Did you Wait, decide? which one of us was right? Which one of us was right? <laughs> I was right. No. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> I ignored all advice, but I have to I have to justify what I did because. Um, oh, my God. Yes. So first of all, I was already set on setting Teddy to this preschool that I had wanted to send Henry to that is like very it's a very crunchy community school. Like I'm already doing my volunteer service there and assuming that COVID regulations allow, like I get to help out in the classroom and all kinds of fun stuff. So he was going there. And honestly, whatever I pay to send him there, I'm getting the better end of that deal because he's going to be gone three mornings a week. So then the plan was that the other two would go one day a week, but they have a big lottery for the schools. And one of the things they offer here is this called School in the Woods, and it's full-time school out in the woods just for fourth graders. There's only 78 students. And in May, when the lottery happened, we did not get a slot. But they called us in end of June and gave us... They have phones in yeah, the they woods? they have phones in the woods. And they gave us basically 24 hours to decide. They had an opening, <laughs> which they apparently never have. And for whatever reason, the way they do the school is totally crazy. But Henry is the one that's like sitting in the right homeschool district to get the slot. So they offered us that, and we talked to Henry about that. So Henry is going to full-time school for the first time since we've been in the Netherlands at the School in the Woods. And his little best friend from when we were here, they're born three days apart, is also going. And so her mom and I, Lucy's mom and I, are going to be doing carpool together for that. And then because the two kids were going to the perfect schools for them, I thought, well, poor Oliver can't just <laughs> go to the, the school here that's like perfectly fine. In fact, it's better than perfectly fine. It's like an amazing school. He had picked out this one day a week. It's a like public but Waldorf inspired and the homeschool program does like knitting and gardening and all of that. And he's already been to a week of camp there and loves it. And I convinced my other best friend here to send her homeschool child there. So I have a, you know, carpool buddy carpool there. Option. And Oliver's school and Teddy's school are right next to each other. And they're going, Oliver's one day is is one of the days that Teddy is there. So, which also means that one day a week, I will have no children in the house, you guys. I that I actually have never experienced that So <laughs> since having children. So, you know, I disregarded everything, but I'm also looking forward to, like, catching up on all my podcasts in the car and running errands without kids. So, yes, I, I ignored all of your advice. I'm sure we'll be hearing about how terrible my decision is. <laughs> but for right now, I feel good that each of my kids is in, like the perfect school for them. I think I feel most good about you having that day to yourself every week. <laughs> you'll just have to remember, what day is it going to be? It's Tuesday. Tuesdays. So you'll have to remember, Tuesday has to be... Sorry, a you have to waste an hour and a half of it with us. <laughs> I was like, wait, Tuesday, that's your work day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also my work day. But that is convenient. I was just going to say, Tuesday has to be your guiding light now. I wish it were Thursday, you know, because you'd have something to look forward to. You're just going to have to carry that Tuesday energy throughout the rest of the week when you're making all of those pickups and drop-offs. Just think of Tuesday. 
I'm gonna I'm hoping there's like a really cute coffee shop over by the schools and I want to like go there and and have it not be all errands all the time. Elizabeth, on the days you're driving, how much time will you spend in the car? Uh, I think that the total is like, okay, you know, in the summer, it's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes to get to their school. And then 25 mm-hmm. minutes back. But that's like no traffic and no snow. Mm-hmm. And their school mm-hmm. is in the mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and Henry's school is mm-hmm. 16 minutes in the opposite direction. So mm-hmm. should I have to drive mm-hmm. from one to the other? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the other thing. I have to say this. Jeff's schedule also came out for his teaching schedule. And he doesn't teach in the mornings. So, oh. he, so he can do a drop off to one of the places. And then, you know, I'm going to hopefully with the other moms, it sounds like we're going to cycle. Um, they also have some issues with pickups and all that. So we'll be we'll be doing the full carpool. So some days I hopefully won't be making the drive maybe at all. It does sound like with Jeff's schedule and the carpool buddies you've made, you are executing this bad decision in the best possible way. <laughs> and I've made a lot of friends doing it because, you know, my the key, I think, to making friends is asking for assistance. And I uh-huh. have had to ask for a lot of assistance. <laughs> it does sound like the schools are wonderful. I'm glad you came to a decision. I'm glad that I'm particularly glad that Henry has this option, which sounds truly incredible. And I'm very excited for him for that. And I'm excited that you'll have your Tuesdays free and we can just, we can record the podcast and then just stay on Zoom for exactly. another couple of hours. Uh, nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happens to school in the woods when it snows? They go, they get snowshoes. There is like a little um, lead certified building that they keep, they keep their stuff in and they have like some classroom because they need like microscopes and that kind of stuff. But they go outside every day. So they get snowshoes and they get all kinds of stuff. They start every morning with a hike. So with their bags on and everything, they get there and they do what they call a perimeter walk. They walk the perimeter of the little park that the school is in. And by park, it's like in the Black Forest. So what is the over under, Elizabeth, on you getting hired at this forest school uh, to just do stuff? Well, with yeah. Them? So Jeff, I think I'm yeah. Month. Jeff has already said the real issue is that I've I've signed the kids up for three schools, all of which I would love to work at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my you know (laughs) but i do also have to continue to homeschool like oliver's only in one day a week so he still needs legitimate homeschooling like i won't have to really do much with henry because i'm going to leave that up to school in the woods but yeah i mean i think there's i already they already sent out the volunteer list and like you know nine of the 10 assignments are things like i want to do (laughs) all right listeners we want to hear i'm sure you'll all take elizabeth's side not my side the side of laziness Uh, It does sound like you made some amazing choices and the kids will have a great time. I can't wait to find out whether it was worth it. (laughs) Let us know on like November 15th when the first snows hit, whether it was worth it. All right, before we go on, let's take care of some business. The first and most important piece of business, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out. It helps you out by telling you when there's a show to listen to because the show automatically goes up in your podcast feed. So it's good for you. Good for us good for America. And if you want even more of the show, become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every single week. Here's a sneak peek of what you could hear today. You know, when we were doing birthday parties in Brooklyn, they were pretty big. We don't know that many people here, and it's been a pandemic, so we haven't had a birthday party in two years. 
I, I don't think I would have been able to peep somebody coming in without a present. Like, I think even in my baby shower, there's an attempt of like, we're going to catalog all the gifts and see who gave what and make sure you do adequate cards. And so I'm not worried about somebody showing up without something. Like, there's usually a reason for that. If you ask me not to bring a gift, I will not bring a gift. Not only will you get fun, extra segments like that, but you'll get bonus episodes for shows like Political Gab Fest, Big Mood, Little Mood. Plus, you'll get unlimited reading on the Slate website without ever hitting a paywall again. So support mom and dad are fighting, support Slate, sign up for Slate Plus. It's only a buck for the first month. Just go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus. And hey, if you want to be reminded of when Slate is publishing its parenting stuff, mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, much, much more. Or if you just want a little personal email from me every week, sign up for Slate's parenting newsletter. You can sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. Hey, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And we're back. So on Tuesday, Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast of all time, walked away from the women's team final at the Tokyo Olympics, not with a physical injury. Instead, she said she needed to focus on her well-being and said, I just don't trust myself as much as I used to. So why are we discussing this on a parenting podcast? Well, because we parents talk to our kids all the time about resilience and grit and sticking things out, even if they're tough. Often it's in the context of sports. But it can be about all kinds of things. In my family, it's been about sports, but also about band and orchestra and all kinds of stuff. The letter we were going to respond to this week before we decided to talk about Simone Biles uh, because of this news was from a mom who couldn't believe her daughter was quitting dance, even though she's really good at it. So now we have this very high profile example of someone at the absolute top of her sport, literally the greatest gymnast of all time, bailing in the middle of the biggest competition that there is. And I... I'm sort of struggling to figure out how to talk about this because while I understand, I think I'd like to think I understand the importance of mental health and I understand applauding Simone Biles for taking care of herself in a crisis situation. This has helped me discover that I also apparently still have all kinds of presumably old fashioned ideas about athletes fighting through adversity and Olympians sticking it out for their teammates and, and even playing through pain as Dumb as I know that idea is, probably I've been watching too many NBC puff pieces about people winning gold even after they tear their seventh ACL. But it's it's hard for me to know how to feel about this and therefore how to talk to my gymnastics-loving kid about it. So, Jamila and Elizabeth, talk to me about this. Set me straight. What do you guys think about this? I am so proud of Simone Biles and the courage that it took to make a decision like that in front of the world. You know, I mean, she 
decided that she was not able to compete to the best of her ability and she protected herself from injury. She allowed her teammates to step up and do what they've trained very hard to do and they were able to bring home a silver medal. I have a hard time criticizing athletes when it comes to the decisions they make about when and where and how to compete because it's not something that I've signed my body up for. And I think that I, I hope that this is one of those moments that allows folks who are fans, be they casual ones or serious ones of, of this sport or any other sport to kind of reflect on just what we're asking of people who to do these kind of things, particularly at the level in which you'd be competing at the Olympics. Like yesterday, I saw an alert come in from the New York Times app. I, and I forget who it was, but that she'd settled for a silver medal, right? And I thought, my God, this is the second place in the world. And for this to be settling for a silver medal and for this to be the language ascribed to it, not by the person who'd won a silver medal, you know, an achievement that few people could ever even think of putting in the sort of work that it requires to get to number two in the Olympics. But the, the idea that this was settling or somehow that she had disappointed her country and people who were rooting for her. And so I think about moments like that and what might have happened if Simone Biles, who we know to be the best gymnast in the world, had harmed herself today. You know, if, if the injury she walked away, you know, if she'd injured herself and was no longer able to compete. And considering that she's already spoken about the fact that her being a victim of Larry Nasser, you know what I mean, and still being in play keeps the conversation about what he did and what he was able to do going in ways that it might not because most of the girls that are competing are younger and would not have come through his training. And so this is somebody who's given a lot. And today what she gave was to herself. And I think by doing that, she gave to her teammates and she gave to her country. And she set a really great example for young people everywhere. I completely agree. Like we, especially as Americans, expect these athletes to be role models to our kids and to us. And what she did was be a role model. She was someone who stepped up and when everything was like, you should just do this. Like, you you know, that was even going through her own head, right? Like, that's part of this is that you, you are on every commercial in America. You are on every NBC ad for the Olympics saying you're the best and you're going to bring home gold. And every announcer is talking about how to be, you know, you're going to become the most decorated, you know, woman at the summer gate, all of these things. And for her to say, I'm not right. I'm not right to compete. I'm not right that if I compete, I don't know what that does for my future. And then not only that, but to come back and be a good teammate. Like she doesn't just walk away. She comes back. She tells her teammates what she's going through. And then she says, I'm here. She's handing out chalk bags. She's giving high fives. She is. That to me is so much more of a role model of the person or people I want my kids to be than someone who is like amazingly gifted at doing these flips, which she is, and she works hard for that. But to be able to say in this moment, I'm not okay. And I, I think so much of the dialogue we've had about self-care and about being in control of our bodies, and especially for women to say, we need to take care of ourselves. And if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of other people. And what she did is on a national stage, she did that. She said, I'm going to take care of myself and therefore really took care of her team and also said, I trust you guys. 
You guys are good enough to do, you know, yes, I I am great at this sport, but I trust that you guys are also great. And even her like tweets since then have just been this praise for her teammates. And if that isn't an example of what women should be doing for each other, I don't know what is. And also her teammates then giving back to her saying, you know, you I, we're so glad you did this for yourself. And we went out there for you also. I just can't look at this at any other way than to say this is a woman who is a true role model, not just because of her athletic prowess, but because she, in the moment when it was so hard, took care of herself. And I, I think we've just seen this pressure destroy so many other athletes. I mean, if you look at kind of Michael Phelps post-Olympics and what he goes through with substance abuse, I I imagine that this is... He's in a very similar place, right? Like this, there's this pressure and you have to be this great. And the way he deals with it is fundamentally different than what we just saw. And I hope that for Simone, this, you know, gives her the ability to take back the control that I think she needs. In so many ways, this has kind of spiraled out of her control. And whether that had to do with her mental state or just like life, right? I mean, Jamila mentioned things that are going on in her life. We don't know what else is going on, but just the the magnitude of COVID and the Olympics and, uh, you know, COVID outbreaks at the Olympics, like all of that must be so heavy that I I just feel so proud to see someone doing this and being able to have these conversations. Like we want to talk about mental health and and we want to be able to have it be normal to talk about mental health. That's what she's doing. I totally understand all that. And yet, Jamila, you mentioned, you know, what we are asking of these athletes. And that strikes me as like slightly different. You're right that there are plenty of people who are, I'm sure, judging her and being dicks about it. And who do view it as like she has disappointed them personally in some way by settling for silver. But fundamentally, these Olympic athletes are people who themselves have have made the choice to to compete at this elite level. They've made this kind of commitment. And I guess I feel of two ways about it. In one respect, they're the ones who made that decision. So obviously they should and can be the ones who make the decision when they don't feel they can compete. But I also still am having trouble getting over these ideas of like you make this kind of commitment. And, you know, whether it's my kid's commitment to her soccer team to play through the season and support and be with her teammates and and play to the best of her ability or an Olympian's commitment to her teammates to give them everything that she can. It it's still, I still struggle with how exactly to talk about that particular aspect of it. This notion that you have made this determination that this is this thing that you are going to train for. And when do you know or understand that you have to step back and how do you then sort of justify that along the lines of the decisions that you've made up till then? I think it's listening to yourself and to your body. You know, a, a big part of this is that so much of the spectacle and the rules around sport are created and led by people that are no, no longer active competitors if they ever were. 
right? And so I think about Shikari Richardson. Um, like just uh, three women who have just kind of defined this moment for me. Shikari Richardson, Naomi Osaka, and now Simone Biles, right? And that they've all openly talked about having some sort of mental health issue or challenge to face. And we see that in the case of Shikari, she was not able to access legally, according to the sport, what she needed in order to cope with what she'd been presented with, which was the stress of this overnight fame, the loss of her mother, etc. And so I think about Simone having competed as a child while enduring sexual abuse, right? And, and a culture of sexual abuse. And so I'm just so fixated and fascinated by the idea of we all know like the three of us come together every week we do this podcast we talk about our personal lives on the show we share things with one another you know I have some idea of some of the challenges in your respective lives and vice versa but I don't know your full story you're dealing with so much more than I can ever conceive of right when it comes to something like this these these people are also dealing with the stuff that we don't know about you know and so I think it will never be fully accepted in the court of public opinion to make these kind of choices. But the only way that we can, you know, what we would want for our children who are interested, you know, this could be a makeup competition, right? I'm going to this makeup competition and I've been doing makeup for all this time and I'm really good at it. And in this moment, I don't feel that I'm capable of doing it or I feel that me doing this in this moment is going to perhaps, you know, cause something that, you know, obviously, you're not likely to get a physical injury during a Mayfoot competition, but you know, my eye, yeah, right. <laughs> but if you understand it in this moment, you can't show up at your as your best self, and that there's a way in which you can step back and also protect your team. I think is the lesson. I don't think there's really much else to say to our kids about what Simone did, other than to look at it as an example. And that's not always going to be your story. Sometimes it may be the right thing for you to push through the injury, to push through the anxiety and to keep going. But when it's not, that you have to trust that voice inside and be okay with it. I mean, this is two weeks of their life. This is, I, I understand it's a big two weeks, but to me, it's two weeks. And what if in those two weeks, you don't do the thing that's right for you? And as a result, the next six years, 12 years, 40 years, you know, you know, those sort of things become a problem so that you could win a medal in in which, listen, like, yay, we win a medal. And, and that is important. And it's amazing to watch these athletes. I don't, I mean, I love watching the Olympics, but it is, we are so wrapped up in this idea of like, do everything to win and and I think some of that is kind of the problems we're seeing in this country, right? Like everybody has to be right and has to win as opposed to saying like, we watch some amazing performances and some are better than others. <laughs> They're all amazing though. Oh, I can't do I mean, any of those things. This is the Olympics. They literally give out for second and third prize. <laughs> I know, but like- I mean, I just mean, it's not, I don't know that we have suddenly made the Olympics competitive. The Olympics have always been competitive. Oh, come on. I have a French exchange student here and he cannot believe the coverage we have about how many medals America is going to win and who's going to become the most decorated and will we have more golds than any other country. Look, a lot of these other places, they don't care. They're excited that their people win. They're excited to just send people and have them compete on the stage. And we have become wholly obsessed with being- 
the number one. Can our athletes be, you know, the best just to be the best? Not to say like, hey, we're seeing some amazing athletic performances that come from all over the world. It is true that NBC had Steve Karnacki on the big board yesterday circling medal counts. And it's hard to imagine another country doing that. That's very American. (laughs) Our, our French cadet here has his, you know, he's like, is this what they do all the time? You know, like, why can't you appreciate the sport? Or like, wow, look at what that person did pushing everyone to be better. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of what all this feels like to me, is that the if you feel like her stepping away somehow lost something, like, how do you care more about having a gold medal Versus the silver medal that the team won um, enough that she should do something that is against what her body and what she is saying she needs. I think everybody should have that opportunity no matter how, like, no matter how much you've trained or how hard you've worked for something. If your gut is telling you this isn't right, that's something we need to learn to listen to. And I want my kids to listen to. I don't want them to say I'm going to do this anyway because of all this back stuff I put in. I We know that these athletes are, I already know that was part of her calculation, right? Or she wouldn't be here. Right. And so the minute that she says, and I think this is the discussion with your kids, the minute that she says, this is too much, it's just too much. It doesn't matter if it wouldn't have been too much for you. It's too much for her. Well, I think we can all agree it would have been too much for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't even do a cartwheel, right? Like, I, I, if they asked me to run down at that vault, I would hurt myself. Listen, I don't know. Now that I'm a dancer, um, and I... Yes, yes. I've hosted, I'm glad to hear this perspective. <laughs> it's been a month, even though I had to take off some time. Um, I actually posted a video on my birthday of me doing some flips on my Instagram page. And they weren't my best flips. And it's, I know how to do a flip. I've learned how to do a flip and dance class in six, in seven inch heels, the whole thing. But like, when I don't feel like I can do it, I can hurt myself. Like, I'm very clear that like, when I don't feel confident or if I didn't get my leg up high enough, the like, that injury is right there looking at me. I can see this, right? And I don't think that just because you are the best in the game that something changes where if you don't trust your body, like I've got to throw my leg this way, I've got to throw my arm this way or else I'm going to land on my wrist or I'm going to fall down. I think she protected herself from serious injury. I think that I, I don't take... Nothing about Simone Biles says to me, you know, I was just with my crystals last night and I meditated on this and I just, it's not in my spirit. I think she was like, I'm not about to go fuck up everything for myself and my team. I'm making a very difficult decision. I think that's the other thing, that this could not have been an easy decision. You know, and I know that there are going to be folks who want to make this, you know, a millennial thing, a lazy thing. This is a participant. There's no ribbon. uh, There's nothing left for Simone Biles to do. If she did not participate in this Olympics, she would have still been Simone Biles. I agree. All right. It was a totally fascinating discussion. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This will help me as I chat with Harper about this over the next few days. Addendum, lady with a dance daughter, you should probably just let your kid quit dance. It doesn't (laughs) seem like, it seems like you care about it more than she does. All right. We want to hear from you guys. We're going to post this on the Facebook page. We're also going to do a transcript on Slate, I think. Let us know what you think about this. You know, talk talk to us about how you're talking to your kids. Email us at momanddadatslate.com or post on the Slate Parenting Facebook page. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, back to the show. All right, let's move on to our listener question this week, read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. I'm a mom with two kids, ages five and two, and we are very lucky to live in the same city as all four of their grandparents. Our kids regularly visit with each set of grandparents one to two times per week, and we were even our own little bubble during most of the pandemic. The problem is with my mom. She gets really overwhelmed when she babysits. She and my dad will volunteer to take the kids somewhere or agree to babysit for an evening, but then always seem to end early. One time she asked us to come home because the baby was crying while we were literally locked inside an escape room with our friends. The most recent time this happened, she had taken our older child to the park and another kid accidentally knocked her over. She was mostly just shaken up, but because she was crying and asking for me, my mom felt compelled to bring her home after less than an hour. I told her I wasn't available. I had things to do while they were going to be out, and I encouraged her to take her for ice cream to help her feel better. But my mom then accused me of not being there for my daughter when she needed me. For context, my daughter has a lot of separation anxiety, and she's slowly working on it in therapy. I see my mom's behavior as enabling these anxious patterns of thinking that I'm the only one who could possibly console her. I know I need to clue my mom into this, but I don't know how to get her to listen to me. She's always had her own way of doing things with our kids and isn't really open to new ideas. How do I go about repairing this relationship with my mom while getting her to look at some of her patterns more closely? And more generally, what should my expectations be when I let them babysit? I believe that unless my kids need to go to the hospital, I'd really like a night off. But my mom seems to think, I should still be on call for any small thing. Okay, well, you need to fire your babysitter. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, Shortest ding. segment of all time. <laughs> Thank you. Done. Another Done. great episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting. It's produced by... <laughs> it's time to look for new help. Seriously, though, it, it just really doesn't sound like your mom is ready to watch your child on her own. Like... I think you have to think of this situation like this is not working, right? Like if you had hired this person, if you had hired your mother, you would fire her. In which case then the the damage is being done to the relationship because you continue to repeat a situation of which you know the outcome and you've made no changes. 
I think it is really unlikely that you are going to change your mom's behavior. You can certainly have conversations with her and try to get her to understand the separation anxiety. But I just, in my experience, like grandparents do things the grandparent way. There there are some grandparents who are very flexible and there are other grandparents who are not flexible. It sounds like you have a non-flexible grandparent. There are lots of other opportunities to have good interactions with your mom. It sounds like she's close. You can have her over to very controlled situations or situations where she's playing at the house with your children, but you're also there. I just, I really think that because she's not hired help, you have to accept what she is able to give and what she is able to give is not what you need. And so you have to come up with other ways to where the focus is, this is going to be a good interaction between the grandkids and grandma. And the interaction is not one of, I need care. You're going to care for my child so that I can go do the things I need to do. You either need to ask your other set of grandparents that you luckily have in town or hire a babysitter for those situations. Because when you hire a babysitter, you can say, is anyone bleeding? No. Okay, try these things and then hang up and go on on your date, right? That is a or whatever errand you were running, whatever that time was being used for. When it is your mom, you cannot say those things. So I I think the goal should really be to try to have a good relationship and not necessarily to fix the babysitting problem. I agree. I think, as Elizabeth said, your mother is the babysitter that she's capable of being at this point. So it sounds pretty obvious that your children's time with her should not be in the context of caregiving so much as it is just quality time, you know, like... Perhaps she can babysit for you while you have a task to do in the house because you understand that when she is taking care of your children, it doesn't matter if you're in an escape room or at a movie theater or down the hall, if something goes wrong, she's going to call on you. At least then everyone can be comforted knowing that you're right there. I also think in terms of the anxiety, your daughter experiences separation anxiety. Your mother may have some anxiety too around not being able to meet what she sees as your child's needs being, either because she's worried about her having the separation anxiety and how she feels being away from you, or if certain situations such as seeing this little one get hurt cause her anxiety and she just goes into panic and can't deal with it. So... There's something else that you mentioned about wanting to repair the relationship with your mother and like her always kind of doing things her way. She's always had her way of doing things. She had her way of doing things when she raised you. That's not going to change here. I think you just have to disabuse yourself of the notion that she can be your caregiver. But I think you should also perhaps consider having a little bit more empathy for your mother. It's it's disappointing that somebody who, I think many of us, you know, the default person that we think, you know, can care for my children is the person who cared for me when I was a child. Your mother is however many years older now than she was when she was taking care of you. And you don't know what anxiety or, you know, what a bang knee looks like from her perspective when she was taking care of you. These might have been things that were always hard for her to deal with. And now she has a lifeline because these ain't her kids. I just encourage you to not only do as Elizabeth and as I'm sure Dan will also say and find another babysitter, but maybe just kind of rethink some of your feelings or just take some time considering how you feel 
about your mother and how she's reacting to these things and how she's feeling about caregiving. And maybe you all should be having some conversations about that, too, as opposed to it being a matter of trying to correct her. What is she feeling that she doesn't feel confident taking care of, you know, a bruised knee and going to get ice cream? I think you all should have a dialogue that starts there. Yeah, this question, how do I go about repairing this relationship with my mom while getting her to look at some of her patterns more closely? You repair the relationship definitely by not demanding that she look at her patterns more closely. That's not going to do shit. And, you know, I understand the tone of this letter. I have felt this tone when people I've been counting on to give me, like, just the tiniest bit of break from, you know, these kids are five and two in this letter. That's those are extremely demanding ages. When that falls through for whatever reason, the disappointment is so intense. And all you wanted was just like two fucking hours away from your children to do anything. And when you don't have it, it's like crushing. And so I get that. But that's all the more reason not to put that weight on this relationship, which is important to you for totally different reasons. Your relationship with your mother should not depend on whether she's a good babysitter. It should depend on all the other things that it that it has to do with. So, yes, fire her kindly. I mean, what we mean by that is just don't ask her yeah. to do it anymore. Don't actually, yeah, don't actually say fire. you're fired. But, yes, find other things, things that you do with her and with the kids might be a great thing to start with because that allows the separation anxiety not to be an issue at all. It also allows your mom to see you calmly and purposefully dealing with the little things that have been giving her anxiety and stressing her out about interactions with your daughter. Maybe it paves the way for her to be able to be with them on her own in the future. Maybe it doesn't, who knows, but that's like a, just a really simple thing. That is what the tenor of your encounters with your mother and your children should be for a while, at least. And I love the idea that Jamila proposes of thinking a little bit more about, how your mom feels, taking it a little easier on her, and even starting these conversations about, you know, what it is that that is giving her trouble. But I also think it's okay to let that lie, if you want to let that lie for now, to just try this new way of all of you being together, see if that sort of helps some of these things go away and helps her get a little more comfortable in this scenario than she currently is. There might be time. It might be a time to have those discussions a little bit later. It might not. But either way, I think that the first step is changing your expectations. And as Elizabeth said, stop expecting that this thing will get better when really the the fault is yours for not changing the thing that you know isn't working. And I hope things do get better because it's really frustrating. And I hope you find a great babysitter in your neighborhood for the times you want to go out. I mean, one thing that helps is that it's not, this is not a situation where you are depending on grandma for five days a week of childcare. So you can work. This is occasional dates. And hopefully that is something that you can find and afford in your current living situation so that you don't have to put this weight on her. All right, listener, thank you for writing in. I really sympathize with your situation. I also sympathize with your mom, and I hope you guys can can work this out. We love an update on how it's going. We love updates, folks. Update us. Elizabeth gave us her update, so I could tell her she was wrong, but probably it turns out she was right. Slate.com, so I can do the same for you. Anyone else out there, if you want some parenting advice, well, that's what we do. Will it be excellent? We don't know. Email us at slate.com. Let's move on to recommendations. Elizabeth, what do you got for us? 
I am recommending this series of kind of like activity books. The one we're currently working on is called Draw the World, but there's also like Draw Africa, Draw Europe, Draw the USA. Draw the World specifically is about continents and oceans. And then each of the subsequent ones is about learning like all the states in the United States, all of the countries in Africa, all the countries in Europe, and you draw them out. It gives you kind of simple instructions starting on one corner or down at the bottom and drawing the whole and labeling a whole area. And not only has it been great for the kids it's been great for me just we've completed draw the world and draw europe and draw the usa and we're currently working on draw africa and it's just a really fun way it it really gets kind of that hand-eye coordination involving like the drawing and when you look at a map then you kind of remember what you drew and because you're taking the time you remember the names of all the places and so we're doing that as a family and it's it's just super fun so draw the world love it sounds very wholesome very new campy People are going to eat that up. Yeah. Jamila, what about you? I am recommending quarantine. Uh, <laughs> as, Dan, as Dan and Elizabeth know, I am getting over COVID. I had a very, very mild case. I am fully vaccinated and tested positive uh, last week after losing smell and taste. Um only had to deal with some fatigue and low-grade fever, but otherwise I have been fine. And for like eight days, nobody has been allowed to need me. And I don't know how, you know, I'm particularly issuing this edict to mothers, uh, but all who are stressed and overwhelmed, if you can figure out a way to be in the business of not being needed for seven to 10 days, like, no, I miss my daughter. God knows I miss my daughter. But like, nobody has asked me for shit. I don't think this has happened this long in my adult life. And so moms, just like cough and pretend you have COVID and go hide for a week. Thank me later. I love it. The, don't get COVID. Don't get COVID. But if you <laughs> she get can't COVID. Recommend that. Yeah. Don't recommend COVID. <laughs> but, you know. She's recommending the vaccine and quarantine. Absolutely. <laughs> Double header. All right. Great one. We're glad you're feeling better and we are glad you are back with us. We missed you last yeah. week. I am recommending a extremely fun activity that we did this past weekend. The Cat Video Festival, a yearly event, a motion picture shown in motion picture theaters around the country that is nothing but cat videos. Just an hour and a half of cat videos. This year's Cat Video Fest was fantastic. It had some artsy cat videos. It had some two-second silly cat videos. It had the cat lawyer from Texas. You remember the cat lawyer, the guy who went on the Zoom as a cat? He was on there. Everything you love about cats in video form. You can find information about it at catvideofest.com that will show you what theaters it's playing in. It's playing all over the country, uh, different theaters for limited engagements over the next couple of months. I will also say that the map on the website is not is not complete. We found a theater that wasn't even on their website that was showing it closer to us. So look around your local theaters. If you've got like a weird local theater that shows artsy stuff, it's totally possible. They're doing a couple showings of the cat video fest in the next couple of weeks. Take your kids. You will not be sorry. Oh, and they're doing it at a lot of Alamo theaters, which is always the yes. good fun. Yeah. 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 Alamo is the classic. So if you're in a place where you feel comfortable going to a movie theater, you feel like you can mask up if you need to, if your theaters are socially distancing, if you feel like they need to do that, and you want to go to a theater for a magical movie experience, do this. I'm finding my theater near I'm me. definitely going. <laughs> right. This sounds like the most fun. 
All right. That's it for our show. One last time. If you got a question for us, email us at mom and dad at slate.com or post it to the slate parenting Facebook group so we can yoink it for the show. Just search for slate parenting. Mom and dad are fighting is produced by Morgan Flannery for Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux. I'm Dan Coyce. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.